Uh, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Paths Uncovered, um, a podcast where we get to talk through untraditional pathways into technology. And today's episode, I'm very excited because it's going to be a walk down memory lane because uh, I've got the fabulous Slana Carey with me today. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, I always do this. I never know how to introduce people. And you'd think after God, like, I don't even know how many episodes there's been now. And like, I would have figured this out. Haven't. I'm like, is there a better way? Who knows? But here we are. <laughs> No, I mean, that was great. Nicest <laughs> intro I've gotten in a while. The intro is just my name. I love it. <laughs> no, but Slana and me went to college together and we became friends, got back. I don't know how many years it's been. It's been many now. It's and I too, don't too many. Yeah. More than I'd like to think about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a while ago, but like not too long ago either. Let's put it that way. <laughs> We're but, still young. Oh yeah, very much so. I mean, COVID has not happened in my life at all at this stage. I'm like, two years haven't gone by completely fine it's all good yeah, it doesn't count <laughs> um, but the two of us did study actuarial science and we did struggle through the four years of maths and great memories but also traumatic memories at the same time <laughs> yeah trauma bonding is real yeah it really is isn't it like our year was just so close honestly at that stage we were just yeah we knew each other very well but let's dig into this let's go all the way back let's see how we all actually ended up in the same way and our career paths are fairly similar so I was really excited to see how your experience has been throughout the whole thing comparatively mm-hmm. so take me back go back to school secondary school what was happening how did you even get in towards maths yeah so I mean I really liked secondary school mainly because I found it fairly easy and was really good at it and you know the classic like you know I love things that I'm good at so yeah no I really enjoyed school I had like a nice you know close-knit group of friends um that I had kind of from primary school and got on really well with all my teachers got on really well with all my subjects um and I suppose then kind of around you know f- the last year of school when we were looking at okay where do you want to go to college what do you want to do um I really didn't know I really like had no idea so I thought okay like what are my what are my favorite subjects and my favorite subjects were actually biology and French yeah. um and I thought mm, I don't know really what I could do with those apart from like medicine or like languages and I was like I don't love languages enough to pursue that and I was like maybe I'll do medicine you know I was in my whole Grey's Anatomy phase yeah. and uh then I really quickly realized that I'm not like a morning person and shift work would just really you know kill my soul so and like I I think it's such a vocation I was like if I'm not sure it's probably a no yeah um so then I thought okay like I'm I'm pretty good at maths I was like what can I do with that and I still like had no idea and like our guidance counselor in school really like god bless her was just not helpful like her her suggestion to everybody was to just go to scotland because it was free because her <laughs> kids had gone to scotland yeah but like no like do this in scotland or you might be interested in this it was just like go to scotland and like just see get what happens. <laughs> yeah exactly um so it was actually my my parents brought me to a kind of a guidance counselor external to the school which really really helped like thank god they did that so like she did like some little aptitude tests uh, with me and kind of just talked me through like, what do you like? What do you not like? You know, what, where do you see yourself? And, that, and you know, as a 17 year old, you don't really know the answer to any of those questions, but I did like, you know, I gave her my best and I was like, I want to be rich basically. Um, <laughs> so she was like, you're, you're good at math and you want to be rich. She was like, have you heard of an actuary? And I was like, no, not really. Um, so she kind of explained what the job was and, you know, she was like, oh, it's one of the higher paying jobs um, in Ireland. And I was like immediately just like dollar signs, like in my eyes, like, you know, looking back now, you know, not the best, you know, motivation (laughs) 
Um, yeah. But, you know, look, that was the reality at the time. And so, yeah, I was like, cool, great. I'm going to be an actuary. I'm going to be rich. That's amazing. Sorted. Career. Done. Um, so then, yeah, I put down, uh, now my CAO, I changed it the night before. Like it was you know, computer <laughs> yeah. science. It was nanoscience. It was literally all the random, random things I could think of. But I put down math science in, in UCC um, the night before it closed. And thank God I got it because the points went up like quite a bit the year we we went in yeah. um so I thought I'd have like lots to spare and then I didn't have that many so I was like whoa but yeah so then I, I yeah that was essentially it that was like right maths yeah. I was like it sounds good it sounds like I'm going to be employable I'm going to be an actuary here we go and like and, for context just for like people was saying like, I mean a lot of people from Australia so it's interesting like points CAO is basically just how we get into college points are based on mm-hmm. your book grades and stuff you get but yeah you pick and make your choices and if your points line up to cutoffs and stuff you get into the degree and that was like I'm listening to this and I'm just like wow we really have very similar like college experience or school I've never had a unique experience in my life (laughs) I was like I mean it's literally exactly like I was at that stage of like I was watching grades I was like yeah med like mom's Mm -hmm. a nurse went into hospitals and I was like "Mm, this could be it changed my CA I was like so many times it's so interesting hearing and like at the end both ended up in the same place (laughs) Yeah. And my parents work for themselves. So like my dad is kind of like a performance consultant and my mom does like kinesiology. So I knew that those weren't really career paths I wanted to go down, but also like they couldn't really get me like work experience in those because it was just them, you know, out in their office. So, you know, I found that, you know, very unhelpful despite all their good advice and guidance at the time. So they they killed me for saying that, but I was like, well, I don't want to be any of your jobs. So that's not helpful. Um, But yeah, no. So yeah, then started in UCC and immediately was like, oh no, like first, first week was fine. Cause it was all just about like, you know, going out and making friends and had great crack and like met people in the course and everyone was really nice. And like, we had a lot of fun. I then started going to lectures and like, just blew my mind like the like I was just like oh my god this is gibberish like (laughs) straight away like I like after like the the initial like this is the course lecture for all of the modules I was like oh no I was like I've made a terrible decision here because like I liked maths in school which was very like you know the way that maths is taught in Ireland is like very like practical like there's you know all of your different sections it's very like prescribed course you know it's very structured and like the, the, I think the leaving search in general as like an exam set is like a bit of a game you can kind of like if you play the game properly and like it's not incredibly unpredictable like you can do yeah. well but the way that like I think probably most college goes is they give you like the foundations and like the theory and things and then expect you to like go away and like actually think about it and apply it to different situations and stuff and that was just like not a system of learning that I was used to like I was really good at the whole like rote memorization thing yeah and then also there was no numbers which really threw me oh that I like I found notes the other day like I think I was cleaning out something and it was literally letter like it wasn't English and it wasn't math and it was just like symbols and I'm like I can read that as like four sentences like what is this I'm like literally and it's bizarre thinking about that I think so it's just really like I mean the math bit like it was no matter how many like and I love that you talked about the career um the counselors and stuff that they were like hey you could try this and stuff like I had that in school too right but no one actually talk about what the experience is like no one does that even when I yeah. I don't know if you went to the UCC like opening fair and stuff like I went and I talked to people in the course and everything and yet mm. I had no idea that this was going to be my like I like literally the first couple of months I was just like 
this is not maths. Like this is, this is not actual maths. Like I've done math. This isn't it. Like I don't understand yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. My favorite thing to say at the time was like, I'm actually studying hieroglyphics and not maths. Because <laughs> people would be like, oh, like, you know, if we were like splitting the bill or like, you know, anything to do with numbers, they'd be like, oh, maths degree. And I'd be like, there is literally no numbers in my maths degree. Like I could have done this in junior search maths, but like I'm actually worse now. Yeah. I still get um, roasted about that, like to the day. I literally got roasted about this by my family, like last week. Like I can't do math. Oh, the family are the worst. They're always <laughs> it's so painful. <laughs> always throwing digs. Um, but yeah, like like you said, I hadn't even gone to the UCC open day. The first day I was in UCC was the first morning of orientation. Yeah. Like my dad drove me down to Cork because I'm from Clare, which is about you know two and a half hours away from Cork. Um, so my dad drove me down the day before and was like oh I should probably like drive you by the college so you like know where you're going in the morning and like drove me like by the gate and was like that's it and I was like okay cool (laughs) and then on the first morning of orientation I was so late because I was living like a little bit outside the city yeah with a friend of my mom's and like classic country bumpkin like naivety I was like oh yeah sure the bus is gonna take like you know 30 minutes in no problem just assumed that like there would be no traffic no delays (laughs) to that whatsoever got the bus ended up taking like an hour and 10 minutes and that only got me to town so I had to like sprint out to college then and I remember like I have such a visceral memory of like the first day that the like group of maths had already gone so like I arrived in and they were like oh we'll like take you down and like the whole class was standing there as I, <laughs> I walked back this. late yeah and everyone would just look at me and be like who is this girl who's like 40 minutes <laughs> late that's so embarrassing and I like I was like you know just 18 just moved out of home like nervous about going to college I didn't know anyone I was like I'm not gonna have any friends if I don't like make this go well and I was just like fuck I was like, <laughs> but I mean only up from there you know yeah. socially anyway um so but yeah I have like even still like I can feel that embarrassment like so strong um but yeah so I mean we started then and then really quickly that embarrassment got taken over by I am in the wrong course like I have been misled like this is not mass this is not what I signed up for and I really really considered switching and I was like on the phone to my mom like I'm gonna switch I'm gonna switch and then she was like okay like that's fine you can switch no problem like very supportive she was like what do you want to switch to and I was like I I don't know I was like I don't know what I want to switch to like I had always just had the tunnel vision of this is what I'm gonna do and like in my head like that was like done it was like ticked off decision made so I was just like I don't know and then she was like okay well let's give it till Christmas and if you still really are struggling we can like seriously look at switching then but I think it's like too reactionary now like it's too early days which like bless her like was really good advice at the time now I still struggled after Christmas and but I kind of got a handle on it and I think really the key for a lot of us was forming a good friend group where we could just like do it together yeah (laughs) like there was not a single bit of like solo work I did in my entire degree I would say god not at all and I think I remember back like I I actually couldn't even tell you a single assignment that I would have done myself like there's definitely Mm. assignments where I probably did like five percent of the assignment myself Mm. which is like a scary thing to be saying you're like yeah sorry yeah and then I'm like will they take my degree away if someone listens to this (laughs) exactly it was a collaborative effort like there was like 60 of us and I think 60 of us ended up going through it or like we all had a joint degree (laughs) at the end of it I think there was the only way we got through it (laughs) yeah like we obviously all did our exams you know ourselves and things but like all of the like continuous assessment and like all of the studying and like all of that stuff like it was a group thing and we had so for people listening we had like labs of like computers and there was like three or four labs and like 
when it came to exam season we would just be in those labs for like 12 hours a day and like some of them didn't have windows and things and it was like kind of like at the time it was like haha really funny like we'd like project like a, a window onto the like <laughs> like whiteboard with the projector we were like haha this is really funny but when I look back now I'm like oh my god that's actually really bleak I don't think I could do that now no um but well, like I you mean, know needs must do you remember at like Christmas we'd have like a proper fireplace the fire <laughs> yeah the projectors but yeah god those memories are actually traumatic now I think if I see like a lab of computers I'm like oh god memories yeah. I'm just I'm just long enough out now that I can like look back and be like haha you know fondly and it was funny but like definitely in like a year or two post-graduation I was like I actually can't think about that that's too much yeah um but yeah so then like you know so our degree was four years and really the first two years don't really count in terms of our like degree average and like first year in particular was like just the crack like we were just getting used to college just kind of getting our feet you know all that stuff and then in second year I actually moved in with two of the girls in the course into town which was just the best crack ever like love that and I actually ended up living with them for the whole the whole thing but really first and second year like in my head when I look back I'm like we were babies like we didn't know what was going on nothing was very serious like obviously we had to pass our exams and, and that was hard and things but you know we were still only like 18 19 you know like it really I don't think it got like serious until like third year when they were like oh like this counts like a significant amount I think it was like 40 percent or something yeah something 30 yeah Yeah. so like suddenly it was like oh like this counts towards your degree like these are like serious exams and I think like my biggest learning from college was well one going from being like a big fish in a small pond in school going to be like the tiniest fish in the massivest pond like I was really I was like the best in my maths class in school and then I met all these people in this course who were also the best in their maths classes but their maths classes were way bigger and from like way higher standard schools and things than the one I came from and I was like oh wow like that was a really like humbling and like challenging experience for me at the start um I didn't realize quite how much I'd had that like oh yeah like I'm I'm the smartest or like you know I I find maths easy like I'm good at this I can show other people how to do it and then immediately was just like I haven't a foggiest what's going on um so I think that that kicked in a lot but also I found that like when I tried to study like if I couldn't get it or like when I just couldn't understand or like I'd leave it like slightly too late in the like semester and I'd be like I don't know what's going on anymore like I've missed this like one key like pivotal point where it goes from like okay I understand I understand for like the first two or three weeks and then like you'd miss one lecture or like you just not pay attention and you'd miss like and it just suddenly is like oh my god this is I have no idea what this is anymore yeah (laughs) so and I just found that really hard like I had such a strong resistance to studying then because I was like I don't understand it. I can't do it. And then I would just like avoid it, which like is a terrible strategy because obviously like what I needed was more study and like more time. But in my head, I like, I don't know, looking back, I'm like, what was my thought process? But anyway, so I would just like avoid it. And then it would be like the night before the exam or whatever it was. And I would be like, oh no, like I need to pass this. And then like cram, 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 cram. And like, what do I, what are the bare minimums that I need to know here? Yeah. And like, I repeated that pattern all through third year and it was just really not good. Like I obviously like got through my exams and stuff, but like didn't, didn't serve me Yeah, as a pattern. Um, And I think, I think third year was probably the hardest in my head because it was like mm. quite hard modules. It was like the first year that everything counted and stuff. And also like, there wasn't necessarily like, the end inside or the excitement of like doing interviews and stuff that came with fourth year yeah um and I think like in fourth year the FYP and and things like that 
just kind of like changed it up a bit from just like modules, exams, modules, exams. Uh, so yeah, I think looking back, the third year was third year was definitely the struggle. Um, but you know, got through it and still happy I did it and all that. Um, but then like fourth year, I loved fourth year because like obviously everyone knew each other really well at that point and we were like talking about oh what are we going to do next year and it was like very big excitement of like no stress as well don't get me wrong like I remember the day when everyone set up their LinkedIn for the first time and was like connect with me connect with me endorse me for this and like it just in hindsight is so silly it's um, so funny like it's just so like a thing, silly. thinking back through it all um and sorry this is such a tangent but like you'll see where it goes in a second but mm-hmm. Most people who like who will listen to it or know me at this stage is like I'm obsessed with Taylor Swift to a level like I just oh it's, me too it's bizarre right but like as in, it's been a big like, week I yeah exactly so I'm like I've been re-listening to the new album and stuff and like there's something she like there's a lyric in there somewhere she's just like how can you go from like knowing everything at 18 to knowing absolutely to nothing at exactly yes, and I, I love that lyric I literally like the last week have just been like simmering in it the whole time and it's exactly this right like I mean you look back and you're like I thought I knew what was happening with my life I thought like at 17 to be like this is going to be the actuary in me yeah. and then, like yeah, yeah. even at like 21 where I was like LinkedIn I got it sorted everything's going forward and I'm like look back I'm like I had no idea like what yeah. was going on <laughs> Yeah, literally we're all just pretending that is a great reference i love that such a good (laughs) Taylor swift what a queen i mean Um, iconic moments this week but yes (laughs) yes yeah no so true because like you know in that like period from like first year to like third or fourth year when i was looking at like actual careers i very quickly realized that being an actuary was not for me you know like we the way that our course was set up we did kind of actuarial style exams during the course to get like exemptions from the professional exams and i hated them I hated them all I really didn't like them and I found them really difficult and like I was just like oh no this is not this is not going to happen for me I was like I would rather not you know because it's kind of like accounting when you come out of college you still have to do you know a certain number of professional exams and you know qualify and all that kind of stuff I was just like I can't imagine myself doing these exams for the next few years I was like it's just it's not me like it would be so forced um forced misery on myself and like you know we have a lot of friends that are actuaries and are really good at it and love it and are brilliant and have great careers and I love that for them but it just was not for me yeah like the, looking back there was a really obvious pattern of like the courses or like the modules that I liked were all like very like real life things so like either whether it was like programming which I liked because it was like very logic based and it made sense to me compared yeah. to like a lot of the you know like algebra is like abstract algebra linear algebra like those like <laughs> the wishy-washy logic in the, the, in yeah. the sphere and I'm like not couldn't make this up like yeah anything like super abstract or theoretical just like lost me yeah whereas like anything where I could be like okay well I understand this in real life or like I can understand the, where this is coming from that kind of stuff I was like oh I like this like this is interesting um now unfortunately there wasn't that much of that so I was like clinging to clinging to straws but um <laughs> Yeah, like looking back, I should have known like straight away like that those were the kind of areas that, you know, my strengths were in and that I preferred. Um, and then like when we did our, our statistical consulting, which was our, our kind of FYP equivalent in final year, I was like, oh, this now this like talking to people, getting the data, actually having a look. Now, obviously, we didn't get to choose like what data sets we were working on or the clients or anything like that was kind of given to us. But I was like, this is interesting because this is like real life stuff. And yeah. I'm using you know the statistics and the programming and the stuff that I've learned to actually 
like make real life suggestions or give real life insights and I was like okay now this is something I can get behind um but I still didn't know what that was I was like okay statistical consulting but like look that up on LinkedIn and you find very few job results so it was actually career fairs and things like that like I was stressed in fourth year I was like what am I going to do because my fear was that I wouldn't find something else so I would have to go down the actuary path just because it was like the kind of clearest path from the course um so then I it was actually there was some like you know like the careers fair it's like you're giving out free stuff and everyone's trying to like win you (laughs) over and woo you and like I love that like it's so much random free stuff but I was also like no but like I need you to tell me what exactly you do because like this is you know important to my career um which is so like obnoxious for me to say but um like having gone to those careers fairs now being like you're all a bunch of babies like just take the free stuff um (laughs) but anyway so it was Accenture had like a like a an event where they did like kind of like a case study so it was sitting in teams and they gave you you know a case study and I think it was about like some customer retention problem or something so anyway like they were throwing around acronyms like didn't know what a CRM was didn't know what any of these things were so like one of the lads on our table had done uh like an internship I think with PwC or one of those so he knew some what some of the acronyms were so we were like thank god but anyway so the whole point was like you came up with a solution in teams someone went up to present you know you had to debate it with they had an Accenture like manager in there and and like they obviously gave us like free drinks and pizzas and stuff so like immediately we were like amazing we love this company but I was really taken I was like I I like this kind of style of like you know solve the problem present back like defend your presentation that kind of stuff um I'd, I actually I was gonna say I'd never been shy but that's such a lie I was actually really really shy as a child like really painfully shy until I was about 15 um and then I did like transition year which is like a year in school between the two like exam cycles where you can like basically you, depending on your school you do like fun stuff you, you do things like you know work experience or you do things like you know public speaking or you know just basically non-curriculum stuff that like develops you as a human being essentially yeah. um and that was like the greatest thing I ever did that like totally brought me out of my shell and you know like a lot of people that I've met since are like oh like you're not shy at all you know you seem very you know personable and open and I'm like like a lot of that at the start was faking it like when I went to college that first day I was like so like the night before I like called my mom crying and was like I'm not gonna have any friends everyone's gonna be so weird like I'm you know this is gonna be terrible I was like it's a maths degree everyone's gonna be big nerds and she was like so relax like if you were going into it people like you are going to be going into it I swear and I had this exact same conversation at that time as well where I was just yeah, like what have I, I done like, <laughs> yeah exactly like that instant like oh no this is going to be terrible so like that first day I was like I am going to be so confident I'm going to make all the friends because like in my head it was like it didn't happen the first day it was never going to happen which like was such unnecessary pressure to put on myself but so I went in and I was like just pretend just pretend that you are super confident no problem and it I mean thank god work like and people were like oh like chatting away and everyone was so nice and not at all weird so I was like okay I may have misjudged the situation (laughs) um but like yeah I I just I think that like public speaking and that like chatting to people and stuff had been a seed that had been planted like a good few years before and when I saw the Accenture equivalent or like the corporate equivalent which is you know like now I'm like sick of powerpoints and all that but like (laughs) you know I was like oh this could be something that I could actually be good at um so I was like okay I was like I was very torn between like 
starting work and taking a year out just like traveling yeah um I was just like oh I really don't know what I want to do like I didn't I had that whole like I didn't want to be behind everyone if I like came back a year later um but I also was like you know when am I going to get this opportunity again so I, I think it's important like, to note there especially because I remember thinking a bit of that right but it's mostly because the other end of this was everyone in our year was basically going into jobs like as far as we could yeah. see and everyone around us was like okay great got this offer taking this like I'm starting in September mm-hmm. every single person out of the 60 year odd people was taking a job and like doing yeah. anything off and taking a job in Dublin like that was just a thing like mm-hmm. doing anything outside of that norm like which I mean it ended up being me like okay I think I'm moving to Australia oh lord even just that where it's like same job it's still the same thing was terrifying because it's just different than everyone else and yeah. it's so and weird you can't follow the pattern the same like you know everyone was like oh well we'll move in together in Dublin or like I'm starting the same time like we can go for drinks and blah 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 and yeah no totally agree that I was like oh like if I don't do that then I'm gonna be behind yeah and like I'm gonna have a year less experience and like and now like in hindsight I'm like that makes absolutely no difference one year is nothing um but like when you're you know coming out of college everything and then I was like what if I don't get a job because I took a year out and people are like why did you do that which like no one would ask you like people would be interested in like oh tell me what you did blah blah blah. yeah exactly um but anyway this was all going on in my my little 21 year old mind being like ah um and I was also like I don't really want to work anywhere except Accenture which like very big claim at the time (laughs) I was just like okay one event and they've they've hooked me but anyway so I was like look I'm gonna leave it up to fate I'm just gonna apply for Accenture and if they take me amazing I'll start and if they don't I'll just do my years traveling um which in hindsight I'm like oh my god so ballsy like one job at like most people were applying to like at least four or five jobs like and, yeah you know a lot of people had multiple job offers that they were like choosing between and I was just like no I'm just gonna apply for this one and if it goes well it goes well if it doesn't I'll come back in a year yeah so long story short anyway did the interviews for Accenture they went really well and they offered me the job uh just before Christmas and I was I'm not gonna lie I was kind of like damn it I was like I do want to work for you but this does mean that I'm not going to get to do my traveling and I was just like oh I I was like such a mixed bag of like I'm really excited versus like I'm a bit disappointed so then I was like talking to my parents and I was just like oh like I'm really excited obviously because I think it'll be really enjoyable but also I'm a bit disappointed yeah. and they were like why don't you ask them if you can like defer it a little bit so like a lot of the graduate roles in Ireland start in like September October November that's yeah. like of the year so you like finish college in whatever May and then you start in September so you have the summer off and then you start September October November uh, so those were kind of the options they were like you'll start in one of those they couldn't give you like a specific date um, but they were like we'll you we'll let you know kind of early summer and I was just like oh like that's not really that much time so I basically emailed them and I was like hey any chance I could defer a year and they were like no and then I was like oh okay I was like any chance I could defer at all like a little bit and they were like oh well like we do have a small intake coming in in January the end of January kind of start February if that's any good to you yeah and I was like yeah perfect I'll take it I'll do it I was like better than nothing you know six months is is, is better than nothing so finished college uh then was just like okay like where I'm gonna go what I'm gonna do I have you know three or four months there to play with I was like I need so I worked in Shannon airport as a in like security essentially that was my summer job all through college I worked in security and like for context Shannon airport is like I I don't want to say a tiny airport but like 
very small airport like yeah it's it's pretty small like they take people in during the summer to like add to the security team because essentially they have nothing going on during the winter like by a few american flights um but it's pretty busy with like holidays and stuff during the summer so i started that which was like still to date my favorite job like it was the best crack like I'm so just funny. in like I would I find I need to find a photo I'd say at the stage of you just in like the guy like the uniform and stuff. Oh like, yeah, no, I think, I think people Kate down. Mara, it's just Kate O'Mara has a picture where she came through to go on holidays with her family, and I was the one like scanning their bags, and so she was like, "Come here, come here, and take a picture with me." Like she just because like <laughs> the uniform is ugly, like it is like boxy white shirt, like big combat steel toe boots black like utility trousers like it's not it's not a look for anyone like (laughs) god bless me I did my best but I could not pull that off but like such an interesting job like you meet all sorts of people like all sorts of nationalities um all sorts of like you know states of human beings coming in like early morning like people just lose all of their executive functioning like it's so (laughs) so interesting to be on the other side of that experience um you know in the airport so that was probably my favorite like part-time job that I've ever had but anyway, so I was working there after college to save a bit of money. Um, and then I was like, okay, like I'm going to go somewhere by myself for a couple of months. Where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? And then I was like, oh, should I go to like South America, you know, like Southeast Asia, all the classic like backpackery kind of spots. And then I was like, I have like this real like draw to India. I was like, I don't know why. I just like think it would be so cool and like so interesting. And I was like, also like, I don't know anyone that has like gone backpacking in India, yeah. um, which like, was in hindsight totally just like my own like it's not really an Irish people thing but like a lot of British people do it yeah um so I was just like I thought it was so cool and different I was like oh I'm gonna go to India and like at the time like everyone I knew was kind of like what like what why and I was just like I think it'll be fun yeah so I did that I went backpacking in India and then ended up going to Sri Lanka for a little bit for about three and a half months kind of end of 2018 start of 2019 um and I had like the best time like I loved every second of it thought India was an amazing country like nothing I'd ever seen before Sri Lanka was stunning um it was just such such a good experience and like I'd also never like traveled solo before um so that was like a really interesting like time and it was like quite a long time it was like the longest time I'd ever been like away from my family and things like that and like I was there for Christmas um so it was weird like I was literally like at a hostel like in like on Christmas eating like curry as like my Christmas dinner <laughs> yeah and they had like chocolate cake for dessert and I was like calling my family and it was kind of weird that was like a real moment where I was like Jesus I am like the other side of the world like I was like cool um but yeah so that was that was amazing I came back with like a week to go before I was supposed to start Accenture not a cent to my name like oh my god like I left all of my money over there and I came back and I was like right like I have a week to like find some work clothes and move to Dublin and uh again shout out Kate O'Mara always hooked me up but she she had started work in Accenture as well but the September group so she'd been there a couple of months now so she was settled and she knew a few people and things and she was like oh there's one of the girls I know looking for a housemate so I was like amazing went up view the house chatted to the girls got the house uh and then started work like a week later and have yeah it was like I mean it was like such a contrast from like literally backpacking around like with one pair of shoes to like being in like a corporate office and like you know talking to clients and like setting up meetings and all this stuff which was so new to me and like so strange at the start I was like like even like I'd ask like 
how do I set up a meeting like how do I like such silly questions like you know how do I work Skype like all these things um so yeah that was kind of my my entry into I suppose what I would call my career I had lots of little little silly jobs before well I won't say silly like a lot of really like fun you know little waitressing things or like the airport was a good one um but I suppose that was kind of the start of my like what I would consider my actual career and like you know my actual field which was analytics so I started as an analytics consultant um or a, a data analyst in in Accenture which was very much sold as a you know a kind of an intro to data science and like the opportunity to work on data related projects and you know to try different fields which was exactly what I wanted because I was like I know analytics is a space sounds really interesting and like it sounds like something I would like but I had no idea like what the different you know I didn't even know what the difference between like data engineering and data science versus like all of these things and I was just like totally blind going in so I was like I want to try as many things so I can like quickly like be like I like this I don't like this um which to be fair Accenture does facilitate I think that's why a lot of people go into consulting is that like variety at the start allows you to like you know try things and see whether it's a it's a fit or not um but yeah, so I started off on the the fraud team, um, which the global fraud team, which was not really by choice, but it, it was really interesting. So basically, I think in the interview, they asked you whether you were willing to travel or not. Yeah. And I said yes. And that decides whether you're on the local team or the uh, the global team. Um, but I also never got to actually travel anywhere for work. So oh. it didn't really ever come, <laughs> come into play. Um, but I know there was a lot of people that did like, you know, weekly you know commutes to London or you know the Netherlands or different places uh, and I was very open to that so I was like yeah I'll, I'll say that I'm open to that and, and see if I get to go anywhere and you know in hindsight I'm actually glad that I didn't because I I love what I call like an after school activity so like I'm big like sports girl so like when I moved up and I started playing tennis I started playing basketball like I was already a big camogie player and like literally every single night of the week would have some like after school activity on and I was like I could do none of this if I was in a hotel in London all week um so in hindsight it was probably probably good that I didn't go anywhere too mad but uh yeah so started on that and my first project was to date like one of the most fun projects I've ever been on it was a um expense and fraud non-compliance project so basically like you know auditing or like looking for fraud or like non-compliance so we say like non-compliance is kind of like unintentional fraud and then fraud is like intentional fraud fraud. (laughs) fraud. yeah fraud is like you know malicious um in um expenses okay so employee submitted expenses or timesheets and things like that so this had been kind of a, a really long running project so really by the time I got to it it was like very much built um and it was like ready to go so what we ended up doing was just like little changes, updates, tweaks. It was kind of a, it was like a regional model. So there was different rules. So it was for a global company and there was like different rules for different parts of the world um, and like different like thresholds for rules and things like that. And it was basically like a glorified rules engine. So, you know, if they have 15 expenses over a hundred dollars or whatever, then, you know, flag them as potentially fraudulent. Like nothing, like that was probably one of the more straightforward ones, but nothing crazy. And then there was a little like machine learning, like a random forest on top of that to try and like reduce false positives because we were sending this list to auditors who had to actually go through it. So if we just sent them like, you know, 50% of the expenses, (laughs) they'd be like, no. So 
but that was like such an interesting like introduction to like just like how a project works so we had like so many stakeholders we had like so we were the analytics team there was three of us then there was like the business stakeholders in the US who like knew everything about like fraud and like non-compliance but nothing about like any technical stuff we had the auditors uh, which were in South America we had like the like data engineering team was in like Southeast Asia somewhere like it was such a global project like and it would be like very strict like SLAs on like the time zones because it, if it didn't get to like you know if it didn't like get through all the stages by you know this time like you wouldn't get it for like the weekend or like a full yeah. 24 hours or whatever so that was a really good first project and I also just loved my team like it was just so fun you know like it was a really good way to meet people and I was in the office and I got to meet loads of people and and do that and I did that for probably about eight months um before I was kind of like okay you know this is this is good but I think I've kind of like reached like the point where I can actually learn anything from this anymore um, and that was all based in or which we'd done in college so I was like pretty yeah. comfortable with like the like language and the the technology that was being used um which was nice and then I was like oh I, I'm kind of up for a little bit of a challenge um now when you communicate those things in consulting it doesn't always happen you know they're like yeah yeah tell us tell us but like doesn't mean it's going to happen so yeah. I, I kind of I said these things with like you know very much thinking okay this you know isn't going to happen anytime soon um but then actually a couple of weeks later one of the the managers came over and was like how would you feel about moving project and I was like oh uh yeah great like to what you know what's going on and so they told me about this other project and I was like yeah amazing let's go let's do it and then like three days later I was on the new project which like the speed of roll on and roll off in consulting just never ceases to amaze me. And like, I got like no handover for the new project. I did a very quick handover for my old project to whoever was coming onto it. And it was just like, drop you in. And it's just like, right, you're the expert now. <laughs> yeah. And it's fully like you're in front of clients and they're like, they expect you to be like an expert. And that is not the case. Like I was <laughs> like, but like this next project was in SQL, which I'd never done any coding in SQL. Now, thank God it wasn't like hard to pick up the basics, but like fully on my first day, I was like Googling, like, how do I select star from? Like, I had no idea. Like, and I, they had told I, the client that I was a SQL expert. I, this is the funniest thing. I think like, and I say this because of when I started, and I mean, it's really funny because I started, it was the exact same thing, right? I mean, I started as a data science grad. And they kind of knew they were like they knew I was coming in very like fresh and like not knowing anything, right? So the first mm. couple of days, they're like, I remember um, a consultant, one of the like lead consultants, like was pulling me up. We were just chatting and stuff, and he's like, "SQL, like you know SQL, right?" And I was like, mm. you're, you're, "What? Like is this English? <laughs> like what are we yeah, saying exactly. here? Like I don't even know what you're talking to me about. Like letters, words, like what yeah, is?" Yeah, I was like, I don't recognize that word. Like I've yeah. never heard this before. And I mm. think Jill O'Sullivan, like she's been on the podcast before. It's like she had just started her master's and had just started doing a module on SQL. And she mm. literally sent me all her whole course notes. And yes. I literally, no joke, for a week at work, sat there because it was like on the bench. I was learning anyway. And I just learned yeah, SQL yeah. using like UCC master's notes because she sent those on from college. Amazing. I'm sure they were way higher quality than the stuff they I was They were brilliant. I was literally Googling. <laughs> but that, it, it like, really is amazing how that a how quickly you can just pick it up and like you just get to it you're like okay I'm here I gotta get on with it move along B yeah. but it's just like the expectation to do that in the first it's exactly. so bizarre I think but yeah. and I, I don't know any other like industry or career where you're just like expected to know everything from the start without them like yeah. teaching you anything and it's, it's so like crazy. 
it's so like you really have to be quite like adaptable and like you know kind of easygoing I think to to thrive in that environment like I I definitely found it like at times I was like Jesus and like I'm I'm fairly relaxed as people go like I I couldn't imagine if you were someone who was like very like super like highly strong or organized or someone that wanted to like know everything um yeah like you just would not be able to do it but yeah so I was the sequel expert in that project and so thank god like it was absolutely a baptism of fire like just learned it all like the first the first week or two um they didn't have anything super advanced going on at the time so like thank god I picked it up fairly easy but it was just like a massive code base they had like you know like thousands and thousands of like lines of scripts and stuff and I'm like the way sequel is good because it's like very logical and it's like easy to read but like to go into like the queries and stuff like you have to like break it down into like little parts and there was so many like sub queries and little parts and I was just like I don't even know where to begin with this but and also the like lead like data architect who would have been brilliant in like giving me the onboarding went out sick for three weeks on my first three weeks just like unexpectedly so Andrew was like sorry like first of all there's no one to teach you and second of all you need to actually take up his workload and I was like what (laughs) crazy so like those first three weeks of my second project were like just insanity like I had so like it was they were pushing a a project like pilot live so thank god it wasn't like too big but like it was a pilot and like I had a clear what's going on and things were breaking and people were like what's going on I was like I don't know (laughs) so anyway those first three weeks very intense um but after a while like he came back and like I kind of had gotten to grips with it at that point and thank god that whole period of my life was over but anyway so I did that for like a year and a half and it was basically just like the title was like functional data analyst and what that basically meant was jack of all trades master of none so like I touched so many different bits of like data engineering you know like just pure like data analyst stuff you know a lot of a lot of SQL some Python and some like automation bits and um a tiny tiny little bit of data science like right at the end we built like a very basic model um but like at that point when I knew the distinction between like engineering data science and you know like the different like subcategories I was like I I, in my head I was like I really want to be data science I really want to do data science like I really I just thought that like modeling was so cool because I'd never done it and I was like it's such a buzzword and everyone thinks it's cool um so I was like talking to my like career like mentor um that you get in Accenture and I was like I really want to like actually do some modeling like I think it would be really fun and he was like okay um you know, let's, let's try and get you a modeling project next. So I did about a year and a half on that second client. Absolutely loved it. It was a really small team. It was essentially just me and the manager. Um, and like, we were really close, had really good, like productive things. Like I saw a project through from like inception all the way through to go live, which was really nice to see that like full project lifecycle. Um, also had never done like SQL or Python before and felt quite comfortable in them after. Yeah. Um, so that was a really good one, particularly for the CV. I think that like really bulked out my CV like quite a lot. <laughs> so I was like, thank you for that. Um, and then I was like, right, once I get into this modeling, like I am set data science, here I come. Amazing. And so I moved on to a new project. It was again, a fraud project, but it was kind of like, basically they had an existing fraud system and they were like, right, we need to A, optimize it and B, essentially replace it um, if we can come up with something better. And again, it was like kind of similar to my first project in that it was like, what they had was like a really basic rules-based engine and yeah. they were just like flagging literally everything. So it was insurance claim, <clears throat> excuse me, it was insurance claims. So they were just flagging like what they thought were potentially fraudulent claims and yeah. they were just flagging 
everything. Like I'm talking like 70% of the claims that came in were flagged. And now like you'd expect there to be like maybe three to 5% fraud. So like that was just way, way too much. And like the audit team just couldn't get even near most of them. So they were like, okay, like we need help. Um, But it was only like, it's supposed to be a 12 week proof of concept kind of um, exercise. And so it was for a UK based client and we didn't get laptops for five weeks. So we couldn't access any of the sensitive data because we didn't have client laptops, but we didn't get client laptops for five weeks. And like, they knew we were coming. Like this was a long running thing. Like it was not news. And like, I was just like, this is the most like large consulting organization thing I've ever seen. Like just so much bureaucracy. There was so much like things we had to sign off. We just send things. And like, there was so much red tape. And we were just like, this is a nightmare. Like we are halfway through our project essentially. And we have... Nothing. apart from like one very very basic deck we have nothing like if this isn't even a big corporate thing like I have never been on a project so far that it has taken less than two weeks to get access to yeah like, that's insane. been like the quickest I've ever had access to like two weeks and yeah. there's usually and projects I, that are like four week POCs like you just said it's like halfway done exactly. and you're like okay I'm here exactly and I understand that like a lot of it is like about access control and you know that kind of stuff and I understand that like that's a really important part of like data controls and things but like a lot of the time I think it's just like red tape and like nobody wants to take responsibility for it and it's just gets kind of like people forget that you need laptops. anyway so we got our laptops five weeks in and we had kind of an idea of how the project was going to go. So we'd like two separate streams and optimi- optimization and like a generation team where one was trying to fix the current rule set and the other one was trying to like essentially create new rules or a model. Yeah. Um, so we had like a checklist of like, we think this, 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 and this is going to help. And we got through our checklist and like nothing was helping. And we were like, oh no, like this is not good. Like we are like nine weeks in now and we have essentially nothing. Um, so we had to like pivot the whole project for the last three weeks and essentially there'd been like a complete miscommunication on like what actually were the factors leading to like fraud so we thought it was like you know the rule said you know this rule this rule this rule was hit this one this one this one was fraudulent we were like perfect like relationship let's map those turns out the rules were just not predictors of fraud at all they were just terrible and the real the relationship was that the audit team in the middle was really good at prioritizing which um claims they thought were fraudulent and their conversion rate was like really really good so it was actually their relationship to the fraud outcome was like really important yeah but like that didn't get communicated to us until like the end of the project because like we like it's so interesting when you're like trying to talk to stakeholders and get information from them unless you ask sometimes really specific questions there are things that just never come up and i i don't know whether it's people just assuming that you'd know it because it's such a basic thing to them yeah or they just don't even think about it. And like we had, I can remember the session. It was me and my manager were in and we were like asking them questions about this. And then they started talking about like the audit team and things. And we were like, we knew they existed and stuff, but we didn't realize that they had like um, like a, a prioritization like process for like how they prioritize things. And we were like, this would have been so helpful for ECO. And they were like, oh, what is? We were like, yes, obviously. But anyway, so the end of that project ended up being like an absolute race to the finish line Uh, I finally got to do some modeling but it was under like such pressure that I was like I do you know what I actually hate this so I had done I had done some like initial ones and I I I like building like the first like two or three iterations of a model but after that when you're like trying to like 
tune it and like improve accuracy and things like that I was like oh I'm just bored of it now like I don't like the little like tiny percentage like increases I'm like oh I actually don't care about these now or like adding new features and stuff I'm like I'm over it doesn't like, it just make it feel like it's like being back in an actuary like the actuarial part the boring part of the actuary's job yeah. and I was like this is why I don't want to be an actuary it's, it's the, very so similar fine level of detail yeah. yeah actually that's a really good comparison I never thought about that um but yeah I was like oh this is what it is I was like this is the buzzword <laughs> this is what people mean I was like this is not that fun so then I was like oh I can stop like chasing data sciences it's like be all and end all like magical thing I was like I still think it's really cool and like I'm happy to build like you know like rough and ready models and stuff but like that really like intense like iterating through like multiple different like you know like modeling techniques and then like tuning the models and stuff I was just like oh no that's not for me now I I'm I'm okay um and the end of that project my entire team left like my manager left the company and then the other three analysts well one of the other consultants and two of the analysts were basically like put onto other projects because it overran slightly so I was just left with like all of the final deliverables being like okay like we have like all of this stuff to like hand over and like refine and things and then there was like one tiny piece of analysis that they were like oh we didn't really get this can you do this on your own and like (laughs) present it and things and I was just like I have known like they'd done a little bit of it and I was like I didn't do any of this and I was like trying to like add on to other people's work and stuff and I was like this is this is not good guys this is not good (laughs) but anyway we did it and we delivered it whatever and we haven't heard any major complaints from the client like we delivered it in August which it's a terrible time to deliver any work because nobody is there like the entire client was on holidays and it was just (laughs) and even like our own managers and stuff and like our experts that we were supposed to call in if we needed help all on holidays so I was sitting there like literally like I don't even know if this is right or not I was just like I'm just doing my best and I'm going to deliver it and then like goodbye and at this and at this point yeah and at this point I'd kind of decided that I wanted to move on from Accenture so I'd been there like two and a half years and I yeah slightly over that and I was kind of like okay like itchy feet I'm getting a little bit bored of the like short project like I I felt like I wasn't getting like into anything and like seeing it through yeah so I think uh, particularly with like proof of concepts when they're like short stints you like go in and you like deliver something or like deliver a model or whatever it is and then you just go away and you never see if they even use it or like what happens to it and like I, I'm not gonna lie I feel like a lot of them are just like left to the side and like yeah. never looked at again and it's yeah. like really like you're like oh I pour, poured like blood sweat and tears into that and like what is the point I was like, I feel like I'm not actually getting involved in anything. And also, like, I found particularly on my my last time the like us versus them mentality of the like client versus the consultant. Like sometimes the client just actually like someone at the top is like, yeah, we're going to get consultants in. But like the actual people that you're working with on the ground are like, I don't want you here. Or like, why are you telling me how to do my job? And it can be like a, a hard relationship to navigate. Yeah. And I was like, I, I think I'd rather be like involved in a team where like everyone's working towards like a common goal. And I actually get to see something out, you know end to end um, and then see it in practice and being used or whatever so I was kind of like I'd been like keep an eye on LinkedIn you know as everyone does just to make sure you know there's nothing amazing out there um, but at that point I kind of actively started I was like okay I'm gonna like apply for a few things and, and see what happens and at that point I was very as well open to like I didn't have a specific industry in mind I didn't have you know like necessarily like that strong like I was like, I want to kind of more like data analyst type stuff. So like a little bit of like, you know, 
a little bit of data engineering a little bit of data science but like mainly like insights and like actual like kind of affecting like business outcomes and stuff so I was like okay that's my kind of sphere that I'm looking in and also I would say 80% of my team in Accenture so the like analytics like team across all of the levels had left from like during COVID at some point like it was it was like the mass exodus I've never seen anything like it it was insane like we started so the, the way that Accenture works is there's like levels. So you start out as analyst and then you go to consultant and manager and all the way up through to like managing director. But between the like analyst and consultant level, so like people our age are slightly older, we would have had maybe about 41 people at the start of COVID. And afterwards there was, I think, seven people left by the time I left, which was oh just like insane. Like attrition in consulting is I like, kind of expected, like they hire a lot in at the bottom and like yeah. it filters out as you move up. But like that was like ridiculously levels like unheard of. Um, and I think it was a combination of, you know, I think a lot of consulting companies, they really bring people in by like, you know, the social events and, you know, you do a lot of, you know, meeting people and chatting and they bring like social people in and, you know, the events are really fun and it's all like free things and all that. And when you take all those away, you're just left with the work. I think a lot of people were like, oh, that's not that fun um and also like the fact that like you know there was such a a you know lack of people you know in Dublin for tech companies to hire because they couldn't get anyone external because of the lockdowns and you know you couldn't travel anywhere so it was such a war on like everyone was hiring and like there just wasn't enough people to fill the roles so like people could be really picky and like you know negotiate really good like offers and things so a lot of people a lot of people jump ship at that point and I was just like look I don't want to be the le- the last one left you know holding the bag uh, as it was so I was like maybe I'll have a look um and I did and I applied to a few different things at the start I was like okay I'm just gonna apply to loads of things because like I, I want a new job and yeah. then I was like mm, this doesn't seem like a brilliant strategy because then I was like getting loads of like replies and stuff and I was like oh I don't actually want that and things so I was so like okay I, let's be a little bit more the other end of, um, oh my god this is nearly too much like how do I keep on top of all of this exactly and I was still working doing a job so I was like yeah I was like I don't necessarily want to be doing interviews like you know every day of the week or anything so I was like okay let's be like a little selective here <laughs> I think and, it's like, really trying. funny that you're how you went from how you're like um, I'm just gonna apply to Accenture if it works if it don't works and then exactly. to like apply to everything <laughs> exactly <laughs> like three years later like complete like change of change of <laughs> approach um but yeah so I was like okay let's actually narrow this down because this is and also like I was getting like rejections and stuff and they were hurting my ego so I was like right <laughs> let's actually you know narrow this down a bit um and I had it was actually a recruiter called me and, and was like oh I have some some uh jobs here if you want to have a look at them um and he sent me over a couple of job descriptions and I was like oh like don't love this don't love this and then there was one and I was like oh that actually sounds really interesting it was kind of a a startup company and it was for like a lead data analyst role I was like that sounds really interesting but like I don't know if I'm qualified and then so I like chatted to him and I was like oh like I think this is really interesting and like my skill set aligns quite well but like I'm not sure that if I'd seen this on like LinkedIn that I would have necessarily thought I was qualified. And he was like, yeah, no, that's so fair. But he was like, they are actually specifying two to four years experience. And I was like, I have three years experience. So then I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, go on, like put me forward for that. Yeah. So I applied for that and that was toothpick. 
which is my current job. So spoiler, I did actually get the job after, you know, many interview rounds and, and you know, those like take home tests and all that stuff, which yeah. companies love to do. Um, oh, so I, I got that job and I, so basically my role at the moment is they don't have a data team or like a, even a data person. So they were like, okay, like we need some, like everyone in the company, cause it's so small. It's there's only like 25, 25 yeah. of us, right? And essentially the the industry is teledentistry, which I had never heard about like at all. Like I had no idea what it was, didn't know it was a thing um, until I was like chatting to the guys about it. And I was like, oh, this actually makes a lot of sense. It's really interesting. You know, like we have a lot of like telehealth stuff, you know, with like yeah. online nurses and things like that. It makes sense that like you could do dentistry in a similar fashion. Um, and it just wasn't really a thing yet. It's just way, I think the industry itself is like way more in its infancy than than like telehealth is. Um, and they were basically like, look, kind of start at five. They're like, everyone has touched the data at some point, but we don't have like a dedicated resource to it. And like, we just don't have time essentially. And we know that we're actually finally collecting a lot and we're not doing anything with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, we really want to, you know, use it to make business decisions. And I was like, great, this is music to my ears. This sounds like exactly the type of role that I wanted to be in. You know, I was like, I see myself as kind of like a data generalist and like good at like, you know, like competent across all the different like data spheres, but not necessarily super like expert or niche in any of them. Yeah. And I was like, I, I like the idea of like a small team and a startup environment. Um, and I was like, also it's just a really cool industry. I was like, yeah. I don't know anyone else that works in teledentistry. Um, I've learned so much about like the dental value chain, like like value-based care which is a thing so it's based in the u.s market and this value-based care thing i'd never heard about but it's a huge thing in 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 the states with um doctors so basically it's changed kind of the onus from doctors on like okay if you perform like xyz you know procedures or prescriptions or whatever you do you get paid for those to you get paid based on the health outcome of the patient so you get a certain amount of money every month and you just have to keep that patient healthy. So, you know, if they're, if there's nothing wrong with them and like you do a really good job, like you're just getting money for, for very little essentially. Um, and it's like to change the focus from like, we're charging per procedure to we're getting paid to have good outcomes for the patient. Yeah. And, and this is like, this is uh, first of all, something I had no idea about like a month ago. Um, so like, you know, I'm by no means an expert, but it was something that has been like, ongoing in the states for like quite a while has been like really effective i think because their like insurance model is quite different to like yes. how we do it in, in europe or you know australia for example it's it's very unique to to what they do um it works really well and so kind of toothpicks idea is why can't we do that in dental so why can't we be part of that like value chain in getting the focus not from like okay the dentist is going to do like a filling an extraction and you know whatever a clean and we're just going to charge for them to actually getting like this is the best outcome for the patient um and it was actually it was um the ceo when i met him he was like look all in theory all dental problems are preventable so like you know there's a small group of people who have no problems at all like perfect teeth and there's a small group of people who have so many problems and and really not good teeth um so in theory we can get and then it's everyone in the middle that has like the occasional filling or whatever and so like in theory you know we can get everyone to that like no problem stage with the right like preventative care um now obviously like there's people that are you know already moved along that journey and it's it's too far gone you're trying to pull them back but like 
in an ideal world, there is no dental problems because like if you brush, if you floss, you know, all those things, if you can take care of your oral hygiene, like really there's, you know, they're preventable, a lot of them. Um, and there's like also like a really interesting link between like, you know, like chronic illness and like dentistry and like if people are pregnant are more likely to have like dental issues and all this stuff that I just had no idea about. And what's really funny is my dad really wanted me to be a dentist. So when I was in transition year, I did a week's work experience in my dentist um, because he wanted free dental care because he's yeah. always had issues with his teeth. So, yeah. you know, it was coming from like a selfish place of love. Um, and I, I did a week's work experience in the dentist and I was like, if I ever see a filling again, it's too soon. You know, like I was just like, this is not for me. Like it's too repetitive. Like I now I love my dentist, but I was like, Emer, I can't do this. And now I was like, Dad, this is the closest I could get to dentistry while still being an analytics. Um, yeah. So he was like, Yeah, do I get free dental? I was like, No, you don't. But, um, yeah. So I've, I'm only, you know, I think this is my fifth full week. So it's been kind of like a, a real like information overload so far of like getting up to speed with like, you know, first of all, the dental market in general, how the American dental market works, how insurance works in these states, you know, what kind of data we collect, how we use it, all those different kinds of things. So it's been, it's been an absolute fire hose, but it's been so fun so far. Um, and it's just, I just find it so interesting. And like, I must say when I was working with Century and I was doing the fraud projects, like fraud in theory sounds cool, sounds sexy, you know, it's like, I was like, oh, fraud, like that's, you know, interesting, but oh my God, the reality is so not like, not like that. <laughs> like, it's fun to hear about for like five minutes, but then when you have to actually like, you know, do it every day and get down to like the really fine details, I, now maybe that's just me, like, but I just, <laughs> it, I couldn't. I think it's so interesting. I think people don't realize that kind of reality of data consulting in general, because mm-hmm. I mean, like I've worked on projects which are like, I mean, about ICU data, uh, especially around the COVID stuff. Like I built out dashboards and like predictive stuff around that, um, like peak COVID, like during the time of it. And I remember like, con- like contextually, it's like, oh my God, this is so cool. I'm like, this makes a difference to something and it helps. But then the other end of it is like, when you're actually doing, you're staring at numbers every single day. Yeah. And like, the, it, like from the consulting point of view, you're coming in for two months having to like frantically get in touch with like, okay, what the hell is these mean number? Like, where does this all relate to? Like, I don't understand. Sounds really cool for mm-hmm. everyone else, but I'm like, I am in this like jumbo of words that I don't get. And yeah. then like literally a month later, it's a completely different scenario. You're trying to figure that out. And it's just, you're constantly like struggling to stay alive in it's the treading day. water, yeah. <laughs> like basically, but like, it sounds great on the outside, but in there and you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> That's it. When you're like presenting your final insights, whatever, everyone's like, oh, that's so cool. Like, you know, amazing, whatever. But it's all the stuff behind the scenes that you don't see. And I think that's like the big like issue with like any like data career at the moment is like it's sold as like this really like cool, sexy, like topical thing. But people don't really know what's actually happening. Like, you know, like data cleaning nightmare, like <laughs> joining all your data sources nightmare. All of these things are like really like unglamorous and like difficult stuff that has to happen in order for you to like do the cool stuff on top of it and like you know like like machine learning or whatever 80 percent of the job like is literally just doing that (laughs) exactly um and yeah I think that's like the big misconception is like everyone thinks like oh that is so cool and I do I still think it is really cool and I, I do enjoy it yeah but I think a lot of people will be feel how I felt when I went to college first and be like I've been misled like this is not what I thought it was um so like I was involved in the like recruitment team for Accenture um, and we would go out to colleges and stuff and uh you know chat to, to students about what we're doing and I always 
found it so hard to like toe the line between being like like very honest with them about like okay like this is what you have to expect without like necessarily putting all of my personal like biases and opinions on them but also like being like okay but like this is actually what we do because a lot of them particularly I think like master's students would be like okay like I really want to do data science I really want to do data science and I'd be like look you might not get a data science project in Accenture for a long time like there is so many other parts of data that we touch on and we cover and honestly like with with no experience and you come in the first day they're not going to give you the cool like machine learning projects or anything because there's people who have you know a experience in those or b have done their time and all the kind of donkey work and are in line for those as well so I think yeah that kind of like making sure that people's expectations are, are reasonable was a big part and then like other people would just be like yeah it's so fun you get free drinks and stuff at the events and I'm like this is true but like you also have to work from like nine to five as well you know um so yeah I think I don't know if I was the ideal uh ideal recruitment person I probably wasn't you know I mean I would say you would be for the other end right like maybe not the best for Accenture but like definitely for the people actually coming in it's like that is so important I think I've definitely been in like a scenario where I'm like this is not what I was told that I would be doing Mm. and I am gone I hate this (laughs) yeah and some people are really good at that some people are like yes just roll with it no problem whatever and I'm like if that's you amazing you're gonna love consulting it's like lots of change lots of like staring from square one you know just when you think you know everything then you're like onto a different project where you know nothing um and it's lots of like learning all the time which really suits some people and I quite liked but I also felt like I had a kind of a short life shelf life on that I was like okay I've, I've kind of feel like I've dipped my toe in like a lot of different ponds here and like this is the pond that I really want to actually like dive into. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was, that was, I suppose, the reason for the career change. And I mean, I don't know if I can be fully like critical, you know, four weeks in, I'm still very much honeymoon phase of the new job. So yeah, it's all, it's all green flag so far, but uh, I mean, the people I'm working with are great and everything. So I've no, nothing bad to say about any of them. And I just, I think it's a really interesting, interesting industry. And also like pre COVID, a lot of the work that Toothpick would have been doing is like convincing people that this was the thing they needed or like convincing people of the value of the product. And now everyone's like, I get it hundred percent. Everyone is on the same page. And it's like one of the few, I think businesses that COVID actually really accelerated their, their yeah. like mainstream market, like awareness. Um, because everyone was like, yeah, of course you need a virtual dentist. That makes perfect sense because you know, when we are locked down and we can't go anywhere, like I still need to see the dentist. Even if I can go somewhere, um, I would, be quite okay with seeing it virtually I'm like I don't have to yeah exactly it's like the convenience yeah yeah it's amazing it's yeah there's I think it's it's there's a lot a lot going for it and I think like particularly like people our age and 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 younger will like we really value like not having to talk to people and like just getting stuff done like quickly yeah like I hate like calling people and like on the phone and things so like the idea of like just getting all this stuff done virtually like so appeals to me yeah and I think I mean it's it's actually the biggest coincidence that this ended up happening but like last week like the last episode that we would have done it would have been um Dr. Padma who is a dentist like she's a fully like qualified dentist owns multiple practices mm-hmm. and then has become like gone and started up her own AI firm around dentistry and making dental care accessible and it's like same kind of premise around it. and you're like no one thinks about this stuff and like she's like the last one I just sat there and I listened to her for like 45 minutes and I'm like you're talking about things I've never thought about in my life yeah I don't know how to process this <laughs> It's so interesting. And I'm sure her career is like much more interesting and and, and longer than mine. But like it is it's, you know, like Toothpick started because 
one of the founders dads is a dentist you know yeah. like it's it's people in this industry and I think that's one of the most exciting things for me being someone who works in data is like it just goes completely cross industry like I never thought that I would be working in analytics in you know anything related to dentistry like 100% never never even imagined it but like it just goes across all of the industries all like everyone now is collecting data and everyone needs to use it so it's like really an exciting time to be someone that like can help facilitate that journey for businesses yeah um because it just gives you so many options so like you know if in you know a few years I'm like okay I'm over the data the dental thing you know I want to try something else you know like all of the skills I have picked up and stuff it's all super transferable so yeah. Yeah, it's it's like honestly, the main thing really I think to say is that I managed to avoid the actual exams, which has been the you know the greatest feat of sure. my whole life. I think, yeah, hundred percent. Like, I mean, you, I'd, I'd, I'd there'd be chance where I'd be chatting to some of them, and they'd be like, "Yeah, no, I gotta study now." Like, <laughs> got the thought of studying right now. Yeah, I love that. Feel. Imagine nothing worse. Like, I'm like, oh, I know. enjoy that. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah, but I no. Know. Oh, this is so cool. I think like. It's actually super. I kind of want to go back and chat to like everyone from college now, just to hear their experiences of. Like, yeah, I think it's it's a I really never good idea. It. Like as in, because like just like what their experience coming into the degree and stuff. Like how did they feel? Mm. More even just from like a personal point, but like I think it's such a cool pathway, of like you start from the same thing, and I think so. Like, I mean, yes, there's people who are doing actuaries, but even their paths have been like completely different within that too. And it's just such an interesting way that we've all ended up in weird little places. Dentistry. Yeah, and also like we're we were only graduated what like three three years, so it's it's so interesting to see how different our paths are after three years. Like you should do like a catch up, like a reunion episode in like ten years and see where people are then. Like that would be so cool to see. Like because like obviously you know we're we're very different now. Like after yeah. ten, like years, the divergence would be, is like, only insane. Kind of <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Like, no, that yeah. would be really That'd interesting. Be fun. We should do, we like should a, do that. Oh, no, like a round table. <laughs> yeah just like oh a big god, round yeah. table that'd be so fun to hear oh my god I, I volunteered to come to Australia to do it <laughs> yes oh my god I yeah. yeah for context I've been trying to get like my joke at the start was like I don't need to make friends I'll just migrate all my friends because it's the mm-hmm. Irish in Australia like of course that yeah yeah sense. it's natural fit and then COVID happened and it's quite disappointing that like not a single one of my friends has actually made it to Australia yet but I've got hopes now. But to this be honest, it. I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that's uh, necessarily their fault or like for lack, exactly. of, lack of wanting. <laughs> but yeah, sure enough, in like a couple of years, we'll be here doing round tables. I like the idea of this. Um, but I'm no, sign me up. Thank you so much for spending your morning with me. I very much appreciate the chats, and I think not at all. I I loved it. Any any time, I love chatting all things career and about myself and all that. And it was great to catch up. So exactly, yeah, no, no this absolutely. is perfect. Look, we'll wrap it up there for today. I'm sure there's going to be so much more to come for Slana. And I, I mean, we are going to be having, I've been joking about this, but like there's going to have to be like a path continued kind of conversations for like almost every episode. Because like even already, like some of the past ones, I think she was sharing one earlier. I was like, path continued. There's another move. Um, but yeah, we will be hearing from you again because it's going to be so much more. It'll be so interesting to see what the next industry will be after dentistry. But until then, take care of yourselves. We'll see you again in two weeks with another episode. Bye. <laughs>